0: Amen, Amen. Amen. We know we have the promise of his word. When we us, and we will be gathered together in his name. different things but we believe it's your presence that sanctifies and howls the place that makes it to where worship can be accepted. Abraham prayed under an oak in the plains of Mamre. Jacob had a dream and the next morning he anoints the rock and says this is the house of God. Your children were down in the land of Egypt yes, and they begin to call upon you and you show that. Yes, sir. Peter, James, John, the apostles, even Mary, was gathered in an upper room. It wasn't a church. It wasn't a synagogue. It was a place where they gathered together to pray. And the Holy Ghost come its first time in an upper room, not a church. So we're gathered here tonight, Father. Able to hear from you, yes, Lord. questions that you, these young people Thanks. have turned in, yes, I pray, Lord, that you help me Amen. make me sensitive, Father. That if there's a need that lays outside of these questions and yes, these answers, help me that I can be sensitive, Lord. It might not be a word, two or three, but that word might turn somebody's life around. Tonight. Yes, Lord. Speak to us, Father. We want to give you praise because we know that you will bless our time together. We pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: God God bless you.
0: many, many years ago, had gathered in caves. And several years ago, Carol and I stood in Rome and went to the caves and places to where the saints of God had gathered together. What a terrible place it was, having to go down into the catacombs, as they are called, because Rome has this type of rock that is there, very easy to be uh, dug out and and the graves were laid like this, so in see them. this high there would be one, then another, then another, then another, and just winding down through this dark, dark places. And as I stood there, I saw how blessed we are to live in this day in a nice place like this. But they were gathered in places like that because it could have cost them their life. As I stood in China several years ago, and if y'all remember the story, some of you were quite a bit younger at that time, but. Brother Viscoll and I went together, and uh, he had got arrested, and uh, we were there in the meetings. He went one way, I went another way. he had my itinerary, and had it written down when they arrested him. uh, They confiscated a bunch of his stuff. He was able to keep his briefcase, and he had my itinerary. I was going to be in this city, and then this city, and that city. So they asked him, he traveling alone. He told him, no, he's traveling with me. And he gets my itinerary and tears it up into tiny pieces and starts chewing my itinerary and swallows it to keep them from finding out where I was. And then Chinese saints that were gathered there, they, you know, some of them, maybe a crowd like this, sometimes a little bit bigger. But if they would have got caught, they would have thrown me out. They would have stamped my passport, not let me come back in. But for those people, they would have been arrested. They could have faced thousands and thousands of dollars in fines, and maybe even spent years in prison. But yet, they were willing to do it. Yes, so they would come in would start the service, say, at 6. People would start coming in at 4.30. I would rent a large room, a suite. And as soon as you get off the hotel, said this was the elevator, and there's a man sitting right here, a guard. So he watches every person, which way they go. So they would come in, they would meander around a little bit, go in my room, another one would go 15 minutes later, go in my room. And yet, I thought, I wonder how many people in America would go to church like that. Right. If they knew, they could be arrested. Yeah. I believe there's some that are. There's some here tonight in this building. So I think we ought to be so thankful and so grateful that we can come tonight. We want to stay to two o'clock. Well, we can if we want to, and we can be able to preach the truth that we know and love. And as far as we know, we're not going to get thrown in jail, and we're not going to be, um, you know, beat or whipped or anything like that. It's a privilege. It? Amen. It's a great privilege, and I appreciate you coming. Um, Tonight, we want to start uh, this uh, question answers, which is part five that we've been dealing with, and uh, I want to start the first one tonight. It's going to be a little bit more on uh, theology instead of uh, some of the others that we've had. Um, Very good question, but the question is this, where is our theophany? Is it in another dimension, or is it in our soul? Where is our theophany? Is it in another dimension, or is it in our soul? Now, for some of you, you may say, why would anybody ask that question? Well, the reason is because there are preachers in the message that preach that the theophany is in the soul. And there are other preachers that preach that whenever we die, as we say, that we go out of this body and go into the theophany. And if there is a doctrinal question, then there ought to be truly an answer somewhere. You'll agree with me on that, I'm sure. The word theophany is not even mentioned in the Bible. Um, The word theophany actually comes from two Greek words, And the first word is theo, T-H-E-O. And then the second word is another Greek word, phanereo, which means made manifest. So theo actually means God or deity. God or deity. Remember the, the name in the book of Acts, Theophilus? Well, it was that name, theo, so it is the same word which means deity or God. So theophany is a manifestation of God, so it is a godly manifestation, so it's a theo manifestation, so when we talk about us having a theophany, think about what we're saying, we're thinking and saying something that is manifested actually from God, a manifestation of God, how in the world could we ever be that? Well, there's only one way we could be, and that is to be Born again, Paul. In reference uh, to this, Paul doesn't use this word theophany, but in Second Corinthians chapter five verse one, he says, "What we know as this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved." Now, remember, Paul's vocation was he was a tent maker. So, Paul many times would take things naturally around him. He he would use the Roman games and he would use the military. And he would use so many things that he saw in the natural to tie it to spiritual. And he does the same thing in this explanation about a spiritual house. And he says, if this, our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal, and listen where he says it is, eternal in the heavens. Now, here's a man who actually has the Holy Ghost. A man who is truly born again and preaching to many people who are born again. And yet he does not place their theophany actually in their soul when they're born again. In the beginning, God created man to have a three-part being. And in, in the beginning, it was not originally going to be as we know it today, that it was going to be a soul, a spirit, and a body. But God's original plan, which we will come back to, will be a soul, which is the seed gene, and it will be a theophany, which is the second court, and then it will be a glorified body. But now, if God would have made Adam in that state, Adam could have never fallen. But God knew that the plan, in order for him to manifest himself fully, that he must put man in this temporary house. As long as Adam was in the word form, he could not fall. As long as Eve was inside of Adam, she could not fall. So they must come out of that original form, and whenever they come out of that form into a human form, then that's when they fail. And God knew that, but yet God has reserved our cigophany for us. Now, notice Paul says in verse 2 that in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Now, God created seven dimensions. I think I mentioned that yesterday. light, matter, time, science, where the unbeliever goes, where the believer goes, and where God is. God knew these dimensions would be necessary, not so much for eternal purposes, but for purposes in time. The sinner's got to have a place where he goes to, the saved have to have a place where they're going to. When Brother Branham actually went beyond the curve of time, he doesn't mention anything about seeing Paul's group. He doesn't mention anything about seeing Luther's group or Wesley's group. Brother Branham only saw the group that he led. So whenever he was there, and remember he was not burst into the theophany because in the theophany, you know all things. The theophany is the word that you bypass to come here and whenever he arrived there when he got there he looked around and said are all these brands he didn't know them but they knew him. now those folks that he saw were actually in their theophany but he had a translation because he was laying there he said his hands was behind his head like this and he was laying there thinking about that song let me look past the curtain of time and a voice said would it help you said yes it would help me so much So he feels himself raised up out of his body and he looked back and he was 20 feet from his body. That's how close the sixth dimension is to us. Mm -hmm. So it's not like that it's a measure of miles and we have to get on the hypersonic flight to be able to go. It's dimensional travel. It's not like space. Man has never broke into that yet. So right here from us, 20 feet from where we're standing right now, is that dimension all around us. So when he gets into that dimension, then he doesn't know where he is, he doesn't know who those people are, but they come running toward him saying, our precious brother, our precious brother. Now there were men and women in form, but yet brother Random knew that they were women, the most beautiful women he'd <coughs> ever seen, they were women in form, and yet they started hugging him. And he allowed that, which he wouldn't have done in this life of course. But yet, they were so changed that there was no interaction between him and the females in that group. So, they had moved into a body that was totally different than what we have now. Yet, in the form of women, in the shape of women, their hair, their eyes, and so on and so on, but yet, the glands, and therefore, reproduction and natural life, had totally been changed. So, what had they done? They had entered into the theophany body. Now, if that theophany was in our soul now, there would be neither male nor female. And y'all wouldn't have to hear me preach. You'd never have to ask another question because you'd have the answers already in your soul. Right. Right. But it's a body that we go to. Notice that Paul said, in this we've grown earnestly desire to be clothed upon. So he identifies the theophany as if though it were an outer cover. So the theophany itself, and I know brothers in the message that preached that the theophany is the final climax of where we go to. The problem I have with that is it's contrary to the word. The prophet tells us that there's three here in the natural realm. There's three steps to the reverse, and there's three steps actually when you come to the glorified body. And we know that whenever, notice the way Paul uses this, desiring to be clothed upon, so he identifies the theophany as a house and he identifies the theophany as closing. So truly, as we all have on clothing tonight, right? So what do we put the clothes on? We put the clothes on another part of us. So he's identifying the theophany, the celestial body, as clothes. So what does, does the clothes go on? The CG. The the soul, now, the prophet says in a standing statement, and he says it was a soul of God that was in God. Theophany. Theophany. Deity manifest. Phanerio. It's your part of being God. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Don't you understand That's one thing that makes the bride different from the church world? Is because the bride actually has a part of deity inside of her. And we have another part of deity which awaits us beyond the curtain of time. No wonder we groan desiring to be clothed upon. Now, Paul said, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. So those without that will stand before the judgment seat and be judged. In verse 4, he says, for we are in this tabernacle, we do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality, our mortal body, might be swallowed up of life. I love the way that Brother Adam deals with this and who is Melchizedek. Now we see the attribute sons of his spirit have not yet entered into the word form body of Theophany. This body is subject to the word and the earnest waiting, the change of the body. Now the difference between him and you. Now listen how much difference there is between him and you. It's not near as much as you think. Right. The difference between him and you as a son. In the beginning, he was the word. An morphia body. He came and lived in that in the person of Melchizedek. So Melchizedek was King Theophany. You never lived in your Theophany first. But Jesus did. So he was in the form of Theophany, which is what I preached yesterday, that he had to kick that off and laid that aside in order to come to the earth. He was the only person that knew all things. Are you talking about a know-it-all? That was him. He was a know-it-all, but he didn't have a know-it-all attitude. We know very little, and sometimes we think we know it all. But he knew everything, and made everything that ever was, and yet laid all of that aside for us. Now notice he said Now the difference between him and you as a son He was at the beginning of the word And he come and lived in that In the person of Melchizedek Later we never heard No more of Melchizedek Because he became Jesus Christ Oh okay So Melchizedek Became Jesus Christ He became Jesus Christ Now you Bypass because in that form he knows all things and you've never been able to know it all yet. I know some of you all are 16 and some of you are 18 and you think you know nearly everything. And if you don't know it tonight, you'll know it by the end of the week just as sure as was a day. But you won't. I hate to disappoint you. You come like Adam. Like me. Now, listen to the way you come. You come from the attribute to the flesh to be tempted. But when this life is finished, and he quotes the scripture we just read, if the earthly house were dissolved, we already have one waiting. That's where we go. That is the word. Then we look back and see. What we've done. Now, we don't understand it. We've never yet become the Word. We've just become the flesh man. But it makes it clear you'll never be the Word unless you was a thought at the beginning. that will make every one of us rejoice today. Amen. Right. Amen. You had to be in His thinking, see. But in order to stand temptation, you had to bypass the theophany. You had to come down to be born in flesh, tempted by sin, and you bypassed the theophany and become the flesh man. Therefore, the theophany. Now, this is what happens to the saints of God that pass away, what we call pass away. If you have died and entered into the theophany, what happens? Now, this is what's going to happen on the day of the rapture and the resurrection. All of our brothers and sisters that we have buried, your mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, people that we went to church with, that we love and long to see, this is what we're waiting for. If you have died and entered into the theophany, there's no way to get into the theophany without dying. So you cannot be here tonight with the theophany in your soul. Right. right. You, the only way to get into the theophany is die. Death releases us from the mortal realm. Releases what? Well, the body goes back to the dust. The lips begin to discolor in just a little bit after life leaves our body. So who is the real me? Who is the real you? The attribute. So what is it that goes into the theophany? the thought of God. It's the good. very same when your mother, before your mother give birth to you, your mother becomes sweet. She might not have never been sweet in her life, but she got sweet for was born. <laughs> Why? Because that attribute come from the presence of God. Amen. Amen. And it was hovering near your mother, around your mother, waiting for you to come to the earth. And when it goes in your body, it lays there as a dormant seed. It may lay there for decades, but one day the Spirit of God will breathe a breath of life into that seed Amen. and it becomes quickened. Then it becomes the live attribute which lay there dormant for all of those years. What would release that? Either the rapture or death. Then what happens to the saints of God? I've stood at the bedside of many of them. I have. It's not a pleasant sight. I don't enjoy it. That's part of my job as a pastor. I don't like it. I'll stand there and hold their hand, hold the hands of the wife or the husband or the children, pray and wisdom The life's pressed go out of the body. Oh, God, I'll be so glad when I'll never have to do that again. I hate standing in those spots. And I see them, and they know they're gone, and the life is gone from their body. And I've seen him as life get ready to leave. And a smile come over their face. Our tears come trickling out our eyes. Or they raise their hands like this. A friend of mine out in Arizona passed last year. And that was looking at a video that his family sent me the other day, just a few hours before he passed. And he was laying there in the bed. And they had a guitar there, and they're singing songs. And there he was, just barely had enough breath to even breathe. But he was singing the songs of redemption. I saw that video and it wasn't just an hour or so after that video was made that they told me the presence of God. They wanted me to call him on the phone because they streamed our services. And I called him on the phone and wished him goodbye and told him to be standing there waiting for me at the river. It wasn't just a little bit until he passed down the curtain of time. What happened? His soul was released from this body and stepped into that theophany. Yes. Amen. Oh, praise God. Christ. This is what's going to happen. The theophany comes to the earth to pick up the redeemed body. All the saints of God that we know and love that have left, at that resurrection morning, they'll be released from the sixth dimension and they'll start appearing on the earth. You've heard me say it many times. You may be standing up brushing your teeth, combing your hair, whatever you're doing, and you look in the mirror, and there's your grandmother. But she's not 80, she's 18. There may be your mother, your father, and, or an uncle, brother Jim Bell, brother Daniel and the saints that we've loved, and all of a sudden they will appear in the room, and the prophet said, you'll know it won't be long, you're gonna be changed. Amen. So what happens? They come to the earth in their theophany, The soul in the theophany. But you know what? They're not complete yet. Why? They're looking for that body. Remember when the prophet was carried on the curtain of time and he said, because he wasn't in that word form body, he didn't know what was going on. He said, do you all eat here? And they said, no, we don't eat here. He didn't know, but John, he said, do you all eat here? No, no, we don't eat here. We don't drink here. He said, but one day we go back to Earth. And we'll take up bodies, and there we'll eat. Glory. you imagine. Amen. Well, sure, we're going to sit right there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to eat, and we're going to live. What is it? Eternal life in the human body. Right. And Amen. go imagine as perfect as a theophany is, yet they are still longing for something. What was it? They were not made just to be theophanies. Right. Right. They were not made just to be attributes. They were made to be men and women. Yes, and yes, and they're longing to come back to this earth and take up these elements right here. Yes, you, Praise the Lord. Amen. Notice this. The theophany comes to the earth to pick up the redeemed body. And if you're here in the air, that's kind of scary when you think about it. So if you're here in the air, so all of a sudden, we feel a sweep come over us and the power of God changes us. If you're here in the air, you take the body to meet the theophany. Uh So you were introducing yourself to you. I'm going to make a (laughs) bad (laughs) discussion. Can you imagine you take your body? What is happening? You who? You, the attribute. Don't just say whether you're here or whether you're there. The real you is the attribute of God. Right. Right. The real you is the attribute of God. So when you leave this body of mortality, we say, oh, they're dead. They're not dead. Right. They simply changed houses. Oh, So the attribute got inside of theophany body. And there they may be for thousands of years as we measure time. But when the resurrection takes place, they will come from there. And what are they looking for? The rest of themselves. Amen. (laughs) Amen. They're looking for the rest of themselves. Then here all of a sudden the spirit of God sweeps over us. And the change happens. Oh my goodness. And there we are. And here we are for a moment, for five minutes, who knows how long, the gene seed inside of us in a glorified body. Amen. And we rise up and we take ourselves to meet ourself. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord Jesus. All oh, glory to God. If you're here in the air, you take the body to meet the theophany. You imagine you will merge into yourself. So then you will be Mm soul-seeking. Theophany. What happens to your spirit? What's your spirit made of? Imagination, Mm -hmm. conscience, memory, reason, affection. Our spirit is what causes us a lot of our problems. Mm -hmm. Remember, there's 10 gates that Satan has to be able to battle us with. He starts with the outside five. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. Then he has five more. Imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where does Satan hit most of us? That's where he hits us. Those 10 gates. Once you're sealed with the Holy Ghost, he has no more access to that soul that belongs to the Lord. But he has 10 gates by which he can bother us. And God will change these five gates in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and he will eliminate the other five, and you will take your body. You. What's he referring to? You. The real you is the gene of God. Amen. Amen. The seed of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you're here in the air. You will take the body to meet the theophany. There you are, caught up, and go to meet the Lord in the air. Well, I wish it could happen right now. Amen. Amen. Well, if it don't, I'm going to answer another question. <laughs> oh, don't miss it, no people. Amen. Right. This is this is what we're living for. Right. This right. is what we're fighting hell every day for. Amen. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a, a figment of someone's imagination. Right. This is a reality Amen. of God's word. Think of it. That when Paul was carried into this into the third heavens and he said he'd come back and couldn't even utter things that, that, he, that God would not even allow him to say what he what he saw, things that he heard. He, just, he could never never repeat it. And it must have been so astounding. But God wanted to let us know the rapture was going to be in this generation. Amen. And God let our prophet messenger go beyond the curtain of time. And he said, I saw all of you over there. I believe we were represented Amen. there. Amen. Remember, your theophany is there now. Right. Amen. Eternal right. in the heavens. When oh, you say, when did it start? It actually never did start. When did it begin? It actually never did begin. You see, God is the only one that can take something from his being, which is eternal, and expand it out of himself and actually never give it a birthday.
1: Oh, Lord <laughs> God, that was good. Why? Because
0: it's just an extension of himself. Oh, hallelujah. Our Theophanies, is an extension of himself. See oh all It is your manifestation of that part of God. Glory. What is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? It brings deity down in our soul. And what is a theophany? It's that realm that deity gets inside of. Amen. What's that glorified body? Deity through and through. Amen. So you'll be deity in the soul, deity in the theophany, deity in the body. It ain't no wonder we fight such battles because we're deity in the soul and pigs on the outside. Amen. Our old human nature is rotten, sorry. Is that right? right. Amen. No wonder we're in such a, a battle in such a war. Oh, but keep fighting the battle. It ain't gonna be much longer. You're gonna be like God in your theophany, like God in your body. Your entire being will be reflecting him. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Wow, what a contrast from that question to the next one. What is an example of what a besetting sin is? Lord, you've really got a sense of humor. Now, I, I pray over these questions. I pray over what order to put them in. Because I think it takes the leading of the Lord for that as well. Yeah. All right. But think of what we just talked about. And then this question, which was on somebody else's heart. A besetting sin. Something that they deal with that bothers them. A weakness, a tendency. Do we all have weaknesses? No, no. Amen. Oh, rest of you cowards. You just want to raise your hand. <laughs> but we all do. Paul in Hebrews 12 1 says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now he takes this from the Roman arena, the Colosseum, this word. And it was thousands times, thousands and thousands of the spectators in the Roman Colosseums as they would come and watch the gladiators and watch the Roman circus. And Paul chooses this same word. Now he said, you all are in the arena. We are the last players in this stage of life. Each one of you have been given a part in the Father's drama. It's like a great play that he himself wrote. You have a part, and you do. You do. And you sisters, And no one can take your place or your part. And Paul addresses it as if though that we are the actors that are called on the stage. And we have all of these clouds of witnesses in the arena. Both angelic, heavenly, and glorified, earthly. So the ones who went on before us—Paul, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Matthew—all of those that have lived down through the ages—it's as if though they are now in the bleachers, and it's us on the stage. It's us now. It's our part of the drama, and we're trying to say, "Okay, what am I supposed to do? Does God want me to be a plumber? Um, Does God want me to be a housewife, or does God want me to be a nurse?" Uh, God, God, what do you want me to do? Help, help me, Lord. We're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. And they're waiting on us. And Paul said, so we're compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Oh, wow. So you mean we're on the stage of God's great drama. And it's as if all these heavenly beings are watching us. And this is what they see. Weights and sins and shortcomings. Uh-huh. Come on. Oh, my goodness. All right. no, well, praise the Lord. Praise Whoever the Lord, right? Whoever wrote this, thank you. It's a very good question. Let us, notice now, he doesn't say the Holy Ghost will do it, but let us lay aside the weight. And the word weight means whatever is prominent, a bulk or a mass, a burden or an encumbrance. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, the sin. Now, sin, a lot of people still don't really know what sin is. Sin is unbelief. It's not drinking, it's not lying, not smoking, you know, none of that. It's it's unbelief. And there are several words that are used for sin, but Paul here chooses the word hamartia. Uh, and it means this, to miss the mark. The word he uses is not the same word that identifies somebody that's unconverted. A sinner does not miss the mark. They are a pig. They're eating their slop. Right. That's what a pig does. But this word signifies a different category of people. It's somebody that is aiming for a certain mark. So they're trying. They're putting forth the effort. It would be as if though we were all here tonight and we had a bow and arrow with we'll something and the target is over there on the wall, and we're gonna step back 20 yards, and we take the bow, and we're trying to line up the sight, and we got it there, and we're practicing, and we're getting ready, and of course, the more eyes are on us, the more nervous we get. I can shoot a lot better when I'm by myself than I can with people watching me. Now, that's just the way I am. I'm up in a tree stand, you know, 20 feet high, 30 feet high, whatever, I'm deadly. But if there's eyes watching me, I'm not so deadly. And they're probably thinking, how does he kill anything? Well, you know, you magnify that now by saints of God, by angelic beings, by heavenly hosts. I'm thinking, here I am. Think of it. I am a mere mortal down here. And I've been given the stage to try to step out for the greatest men that have ever lived preached. And I have to step out behind them. So I have to step out behind Paul and Luther and Wesley and Brother Branham and the greatest men that have ever lived. And now I'm on the stage, Brother Darrell, here we are, and we step out behind them and we say, oh my goodness. So I've got to get on the same stage that Paul walked on. I've got to step out on the same stage that Brother Branham was on and I've got to step out there with Brother Jim and Brother Ron and all these great men. Yeah, but then itself makes it nerve-wracking. Uh-huh. And then you say you're more tend and more prone to even make mistakes under pressure. Right. Uh-huh. You know that feeling? Mm-hmm. Now notice that Paul likens this besetting sin. And he says the word here, to miss the mark, to err, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor So, this totally excludes every sinner. Mm -hmm. A sinner isn't even walking in the path of honor Mm -hmm. and uprightness. So, who's this scripture for? Christians. Right. Christians. Now, it'd be so nice tonight if I could stand up here in reality and say, everybody in Happy Valley are Maytag Christians. (laughs) I never have to work on nobody. I never have to preach hard while they're just the loveliest folks in the message. Everybody loves everybody. Nobody talks about nobody, either on Facebook or any other book in front of them or behind them. None of them has got a temper. None of them is bothered with lust or anything like that while they're just the goodest little children that ever was. But a preacher ain't supposed to lie. (laughs) Right. So, what did God give me? Faulty people. And to be honest with you, every other true preacher has the exact same guy. Right. Now I know there's some of the preachers in the message want to let on, like their church is absolutely perfect. Well, I'm not sure who they're trying to deceive, but they're the first one that's deceived. There right. are no such people on the earth. Right. right. Every Christian is this type of Christian right here. They are the type of Christians that realize that the mark is before them. Okay, now I'm left-handed. I've been that way all my life. It's a bad thing, believe me. You get laughed at your entire life for being a lefty. Guns don't fit you. Bows don't fit you. When I did play softball and things like that, now it's really weird because I would have to catch with my left hand. Strange, I know. I could never catch with my right hand. I would have to catch, wear a glove with my left hand, then take the glove off my left hand and throw the ball with my left hand. I mean, you knew I was already weird. Now, you know I'm not weird. <laughs> I play the guitar right handed. I am so mixed up and sad. But I can't help it. Now, but being left handed, I also heal faster. Left handed people do. There's several things you see. Left-handed is not just a choice; it's something that's that's born in you. Now, used to years ago, when people were left-handed, they thought it was a bad mark. Right. Yeah. It was a right. bad, bad mark. Brother Branham even right. talks about Brother Joseph Branham is left-handed and talks about them. You know, whenever a mother would see the child left-handed, they would do their best to try yeah. to make that child be right-handed. Right. Why? Because it's something a stigma about it. It was looked down on. Well, whether or not you're left handed or right handed, we're all born just like this right here. That's right. And the new birth does not take us away from missing the mark. So I'm gonna draw back. Y'all ready? Y'all watching me? Okay, all right. I'm drawing back. I'm gonna pull the arrow. Those of you that shoot know that if you're able to put your arrow in the same spot, you will have a mark to where you're able to hold it. And the better you repeat that same thing over and over again. So you've got a peep sight, wind up with your sight, anchor it here in the corner of your mouth. Unless you do that. (laughs) You've got to have somewhere to anchor it. If you don't, you'll miss the target. Well, sometimes we pull back and we think everything's good. I'm good. I'm ready to release. And something happens. And we miss the target. So does that mean we're a devil? We're wicked. We're subconceived. There's no hope for us. No, it simply means you need to pull out another arrow and do it again. Right, that's good. And do it again. Right, man. And do it again. Well, will I ever get to a place to where I'll, I'll never ever miss the mark? Yeah, you know, the previous answers to the question I just answered. <laughs> when you get there, yeah, right. The rest of the times, guess what? You're going to miss. The mark. Amen. The difference between those who miss over and over again and the bride is the bride gets up for the last Lord, time, yes, yeah. amen. and the others say, "I quit." I can't take it no more. I must not be, I must not be bride. I ain't doing it no more. I've so many times. How many of the bride of Christ could say I fell as many times as you did, but I'm getting back up because that's who I am. Amen. Amen. I missed the Amen. mark, yes, and I'm ashamed that I hated God. Please forgive me. I'm going to get the best of this thing. I don't care if it takes me 10,375,395 times. I'm going to overcome this devil if it's the last thing I Amen. do. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to this question. What is an example of what a besetting sin is? Israel and the church is speaking about Moses. His work now was a lawgiver. Went up on the mountain, stayed 40 days, come back out on the law, But his besetting sin was temper. Now I find this to be a paradox. Because the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on all the earth. And somehow in our seeking, you know, a lot of times I'm afraid we would relate meekness and humility. And a person like that is just so gentle and so easy They hardly ever even raise their voice. You haven't met some of the mean people, have you? <laughs> Hopefully you won't. <laughs> now you say, but yet, you look at someone so say, well, this humble brother. Oh, this humble sister. Don't get in your mind just because they have that. Doesn't mean they cannot be plagued with a temper. Now, being a pastor, it's my lot in life to take my hand and rub people the wrong way. And I get to know them in a way that many times you'll never know them. <laughs> You think that's funny, do you? Yeah. Oh, you're just rubbing it this way. Oh, i that brother, that sister, oh my. But God will have a preacher to take his hand and go. And that little purring kitten. All of a sudden. I know you probably find it hard to believe.
1: But I had one of
0: the men from our church get so mad at me in my study, he walked right up to my desk and drawed back his fist to hit me in the face. And some of you brothers have hugged his neck and thought he was so humble. How many wants my talk, did you say? Anybody that wants to be a preacher? Is either one of two things. He's an absolute idiot. Or he's called a God. <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. So here's Moses. And his besetting sin was not women, not popularity, but two. Now comes out of the presence of God. And I know some of you have probably seen that apple. Was the first one to have a tablet. No, actually, Moses was. That's right. Come on, y'all are supposed to laugh at that. I thought <laughs> that was So here he walks out of the presence of God, and God took his finger and wrote that on there. And he gets so mad. He takes what God wrote on right, and throws it down. Right. You know, imagine? Now, it was not being the presence of God that made him angry. It was being the presence of people. Right. And right. people can do that. To no. us. Yes, sir. The more I get around people, the more I like skunks. Hogs, dogs, horses, cows. Ah. <laughs> Woo! Well, you know what? If a lot of my horse kicks you, it's just a dumb animal. If a person does, you think, so what does that make them? <laughs> <laughs> now, does that mean then that we cannot live a victorious overcoming life over these things? No, it does not. It simply means we need to work on whatever it is in our life. Amen. Whether it's a temper, whether it would be, let me go on here. Listen closely, like David, brother Ben says. Put the Lord before you. Put the Lord between you and that sin, that little besetting sin. Now, what your name, some. It might be lying. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> it might be lying. It might be stealing. It might be evil thinking. Isn't it amazing, though, well, how we would categorize that? Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody told us a lie, a lot of us would never believe that person again because they said say, they're a liar. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in a person getting caught and getting in a real spot and the devil making them fall and them telling something that's not true and them being an habitual liar. Right. Mm-hmm. It is not the same thing at all. Right. Don't raise your right. hands, but I doubt that there's one here tonight that hasn't told a lie since you're a Christian. You don't see my hand up, do you? But I am not a liar. Uh-huh.
1: Right. Right. Amen. right, right. Right. True. Amen. There
0: is a world of difference. How many of y'all fall short of the glory of God and make mistakes and even sin? That don't mean you're a sinner. That's right, right. Amen. That means you're a you. You fell from honor. You fell from righteousness. You fell from purity. Right. And what do you do? You repent. Right. Amen. Amen. And you make it right before God. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. Now, notice what he goes on to say. This is not a quote you're going to hear uh, read by the legalist message preachers because they don't believe this. They do not believe this. Some of the legalist message preachers believe that once you're ever born again, You'll never make another mistake. You show me what the prophet taught it that way, and I'll teach the same thing. Right, right. I don't know how I'll do it when I'm looking at quotes like this. That's thing. right, right. It Amen. might be lying, it might be stealing, it might be evil sinking, it might be temper, it might be drinking, it might be smoking, it might be gambling, I don't know. It might be lust, it might be anything. But whatever it is, put the Lord before you. Good. Oh, Amen. Good. Good. Oh my goodness. So you mean a person could be bothered by things and, and fall short of the glory of God. And well, darn it, that don't mean that they're going to hell. Peter turned out to be a cussing preacher. And when Jesus found him, he was out there fishing naked. Wow. Now that's a pretty bad reputation to have, ain't it? A cussing naked preacher. Some of you will never read first and second Well, aren't you glad there's forgiveness? Amen. I'll tell you friends, we we've we've idolized these people that we think in the Bible that they never made mistakes. We're believing something that's not true. That's right. Right. Peter, after receiving the Holy Ghost, whenever Peter was around the Gentiles, he treated them so good and oh my, they were brothers and sisters and he had hugged their necks and then some of the Jews from Jerusalem came down and they were Judaizers, legalists, so they wouldn't eat certain things and be around certain things. When they come around and Peter saw them, he said, uh how you doing there? Doing uh-huh. and Paul come in there. Paul looked at and he said, You hypocrite. Uh-huh. Right. Paul said, I withstood him to the face. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right.
1: A man with a Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen. Right.
0: Oh, you know why? Peter took up his little bow, but his mouth was twitching. My brothers, some of you are here. Amen. amen. And Paul walked right to him and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Uh Now, Peter had been around longer. He knew Jesus longer. Uh He had the Holy Ghost longer. Mm -hmm. But none of us are above the Word. Amen. 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 Praise Lord. Good, brother. Is that good? Amen. Everybody understand that question? <laughs> All right. How do you know, my goodness, we're doing great. This is number three. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> How do you know if God is really speaking to you? Good question. Amen. Right. a great question, man. How do you know if God is really speaking to you? Well, there's different ways by which God will speak to us. I passed by, say, church signs before or seen a sign somewhere. And the Lord would take their words that somebody had put up on that sign and speak to my heart. You remember Brother Branham going into the place and he saw a sign that was over this place that he was going into. He said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And God spoke something. It was inspiration. Mm -hmm. He walked out by the tabernacle one night and saw all the license plates from Alabama and Georgia and here and there and there. And the Lord gave him some inspiration. That's where he got the message. What is the attraction on the mountain? That's right. Mm -hmm. So God spoke to him. I stood there in Montana several years ago hunting and on the mountain range where the Lord spoke to Brother Branham as he was driving down the road and he said, your name is wrote right there on those mountain peaks. I stood right there in those peaks and hunted in between two and three and five and six and seven. So God has many ways to be able to speak to us. But how can we know that it's him? Well, one sure way that we can know is that God will never speak anything to us contrary to his word. That's right. Y'all so, can agree with that. Amen. Now there's many times though that we're wondering about something. What is that the Spirit of God? And we know that there's not a scripture for absolutely every answer that we'll ever need in life, or maybe everything that we're thinking that we should do or not. And the way that we can judge that is I found myself by experience that when Satan is trying to lead us in the wrong way or trying to push us in a direction that is contrary to the will of God for our lives, and it may seem right, and Satan may stay with the word one time and then another time and another time, but he cannot remain consistent. He will always mess up somewhere, but the Spirit of God will never ever lead any of us contrary to His Word. Amen. Now, let's say for example that a person is looking for the will of God for their life. And Brother random of course, was asked this in many different ways of people trying to find the will of God, even about callings in their life. Are they called to be a minister? Are they called to do this or that? And Brother Randham, even with something like that, would not tell men, yes, brother, you're called and you're called and you are and you aren't. Uh, a person even asking that, of course, the answer is 61. And Brother Branham said, well, brother, you know, I, I believe God would deal with you. And, you know, he said, now God was to tell me, and then I would tell you that something happened to me. What, that, what would happen to your call? Now, no doubt Brother Branham knew whether or not the man was or was not called. And if you'll listen to the tape more carefully, the answer lays in the way that Brother Branham answered it. But Brother Branham did not want the man's faith to be in that. He wanted the man to know from God himself beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was called to do whatever it is. Now, for us in seeking the will of God about our lives, Lord, which boy should I marry? Should I marry the one that is so handsome but he has brown hair and he's fair-skinned? He's a Scandinavian. Or should I marry that tall, dark, handsome, but Lord, he don't smell as good as the other guy? (laughs) Lord, which girl should I marry? Lord, I I can't imagine some of the questions the Lord gets asked. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Good nothing some of the questions. I've got one here tonight. Is it wrong for you to die your eyelashes? I was just hoping. <laughs> It wasn't a brother (laughs) Because we're meeting outside. (laughs) You know, because we believe in being led by the Spirit of God, there's great advantages it's also tricky because there's times the spirit of God will lead us and we don't have a scripture to tell us one way or the other we don't have a quote that will tell us one way or the other and in one way I'm glad Father chose to do it that way he could have done it like this when you were born he could have had the book of your life already written out for the first several years that would have been just, you know, your mom and dad did this and that, and they sent you to school. Then when you started coming to the age of accountability, whether you are staying of 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever it was, then your book would have started then. And God would have said, now on this certain, certain day, you're going to be faced with this question. Do this. Now tomorrow, you'll be faced with this one. Do this. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, do that. So every day, you would have just got up and read your book. But I wonder, would it made us have prayed more? And read our Bible more? And talk to him more? Or talk to him less? Mm -hmm. Because you really wouldn't have needed to commune with him. Mm -hmm. To talk with him, all you need to do is just get your book out. Okay, okay, right, right, I'm I'm sorry. So he answers many of these things by the scripture. By the message, gives us ministry that we can talk to. Our moms and dads, people that we have confidence in. And then he leaves much of it unanswered. Why? He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to say, Now, Father, what do you want me to do? So I remember when Carol and I got married and we hadn't been married too long. Um maybe a year, a little over a year possibly. Um, We got married when we were 16, turned 17 the next day, and we was 18 when the Lord started dealing with me about preaching. So I prayed and prayed. I spent many times during the day praying, and I'd go to the Lord, Lord, what can I do? What do you want me to do? And remember, I'm 18 years old. What do you want me to do, Lord? I just kept feeling something But I didn't know what it was. And every day I'd go to pray, I would hear him say, preach my word. Mm -hmm. Well, that scared me to death. And I got to where I was praying less and less every day. You know why? I knew if I asked him what he was going to tell me. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't what I wanted to hear. But I finally realized I couldn't stop praying just because he kept aggravating me. Angry with me. <laughs> That's the way it felt to me. And then when God called me, there's five aspects of the ministry that I could have went into. You know, the five-fold ministry. He didn't even give me a choice of which one of them I wanted. Now think of that. Is that even fair? Is that even fair? That wasn't even multiple choice. I couldn't even choose? No, it's not. But part of our life comes by us praying, talking to God. He will deal with our spirit. And then many times, because he sees you're still uncertain, he may have a minister to break away from what he's preaching and say two or three words, three or four sentences, and it will go straight to you. And it's just like God himself is speaking directly right. to you. You've had it to happen. Amen. 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 I got got a text from a brother the other day after the service. And he said, Brother Donnie, I know you was not in our home before service. I know you wasn't there. But it's like you were. Because you said things, me and my wife and my children talked about coming to church. Even the way we said it, you expressed it in your voice. I said, wow, how can that even be? How can that even be? Because God wanted them to know he was listening to their conversation. Oh, good. He's mindful of us. Amen. Amen. So what's he doing? He's speaking to us. So how can you tell? Well, you realize you look back at the word, you see the continuity of his word, and you see that God maybe spoke to you. Now, can God deal with someone And then have someone else to confirm it? Absolutely yes. I've still got my first Bible that was given to me by my grandmother, which was my mother's mother. And whenever I got saved and the little Pentecostal church that I went to, she went there to that church. And she gave me that Bible sometime after I got saved. Now, remember, I got saved when I was 12. So she walks up to me when I was still just a wee little boy and says, I hope I'm alive when you preach your first sermon at it. I said, I not be no preacher. I going not be no preacher. She said, yes, Donnie, you are. Before I was ever born, my aunt, she was carrying a child. In those days, they didn't have the ability to be able to take if it's a boy or a girl. So when she was down praying. The Spirit of God spoke through her. She started speaking in tongues and interpreting. Donnie Lee. He will do many great things in my name. Well, she thought she was going to have a boy. Well, several months later, she had a girl. She named her Rhonda Lee. She kept that in her heart till I was born several years after. And then she told my mom and dad after they got in church what the Lord had spoke to her. How can God deal with someone? and then confirm it to someone else. Absolutely. Now, if I'm only called to preach today because my grandmother said so, y'all better be finding you a new pastor by the weekend. If I'm only called to preach because my aunt said that, you better find you a new preacher. Can God confirm it? Yes. Can God deal with your heart and then have someone to stand up and speak along them same lines to give you an assurance? Yes, he can. And remember, whatever it is, it will never be contrary to his word. Don't ever think that God will ever lead you over the top of his word. If you're feeling led to do something and the scripture comes up there and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Bible says this and this. Oh my goodness, something wrong. Remember, he will never lead you or I contrary to the word. I know of people who have felt led to leave their wife and marry a younger one. No. Well, they said the Lord allowed them to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trading cars, huh? You get an old war album, you trade it in for a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I felt led to the Lord. I don't know what they felt led to do. It was a demon on them. Amen. Right. Amen. right? The Holy Ghost. Amen. Right. Praise the Lord. Right, man. Carol and I used to live in West Virginia years ago, and they had a lot of serpent hammers there. Y'all know what that is? Mm. Serpent hammers, snake hammers? Some of you do, some of you don't. Okay. Well, it's people that take the scripture in Mark 16 literally. They shall take up serpents. I'm glad Jesus said they shall. And they shall. Didn't <laughs> say I would. I, I, <laughs> I believe for every one of those there's an answer in the book of Acts. Uh-huh. Paul picked one up uh-huh. in the firewoods. Right. Sure. Uh-huh. right. Right? Right. Sure. He did not do it to prove he was a man of faith. Exactly right. yeah. right. Now, some of those people would handle snakes. I've never actually been in a snake handling meeting before, but my dear brave wife has. We had some friends, and they went to, uh, to them meetings, and she asked Carol, Carol, do you want to go? Carol said, no, no, I don't want to go. Well, what would they do? She said, they won't push one on you. Don't worry. So Carol went to their... Boy, they get the music going real loud and real fast. And they have them snakes up in the front in boxes. Rattlesnakes, vipers. Some of the most deadly snakes in the world are the ones they want to handle. They have strychnine, poison. You know what that is? Poison. Whenever they get to shouting and dancing and screaming, they'll take the strychnine out and drink poison right in front of you. They'll take their hands and lay on a stove, red hot stove, the old pot belly stove, laid their hands right on that stove and never burned. Mm -hmm. And pick up rattlesnakes, copperheads, vipers of every sort and handle them to prove they've got faith. Well, that does not follow through in the book of Acts.
1: Uh, No matter how
0: much they feel that and bunches of them have got killed that's right. in doing so. That's right. Yeah. I know of several preachers, and some of them preachers used to come to the meetings that I would preach in West Virginia. I hope they left their snacks in the house. But yeah, that's the way they believed it. They felt led. But what they felt led did not follow through the words. You understand? Amen. Now, they could take that one scripture, but that one scripture was never followed out in that means in the book of Acts. Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Now, when Jesus said all of that, there was examples of those things that was lived out in the book of Acts. So if we're supposed to go around getting rattlesnakes and copperheads and all that, then why did Brother Brown do He's supposed to restore our faith back to the original faith. Mm-hmm. And yet, what do they do? They still do it to this very day. Now, in some states, it's illegal. There's actually some people over in Tazewell, uh, Tazewell, Virginia, Tazewell, Tennessee. They still do it to this very day. And they still handle, although, although in many states, it's outlawed. And they do it, and they look down on people like us and say, well, y'all don't believe. Y'all don't believe. We feel red. And they scream, they holler, they shout they are so emotional, and they feel led. But whatever it is that's leading them Good is not leading them in the continuity of the Word. Good boy. God's gonna lead me to handle a viper. If that viper bites me, I am not gonna die. I know one of them famous preachers from a place called Jolo, West Virginia, and he got bit by one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. They actually shipped it over illegally from Asia and he got dead. He was a pastor of a church, and it killed him. He died right there in the pulpit. At his funeral, they put that snake in his casket. Can you imagine being buried with a serpent? <gasps> but before they buried that man, there was other people, and they had their music, their guitars, their tambourines, and they got the music going real wild and fast, and they got that serpent out of that casket, and they handled it. They felt like they conquered the devil. Mm -hmm. So what did that make that dead preacher in the coffin then? Mm -hmm. Uh Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? People can feel that. That that would seem so religious. And other people would look and say, wow, what faith, what faith. And what good did that faith do? Mm -hmm. It didn't help anybody be healed. It didn't help anybody that was discouraged. It didn't help them, Brother Ryan, if they were down and felt so despondent. Some of them had been bitten so many times and had surgeries, and their hands and their arms all twisted and contorted because of one snake bite after another. Why? Something wrong somewhere. Amen. Well, let's stop on that one. Why not pick it up again? Wow. Wow. I think we've opened up. Box's name. <laughs> Don't you love Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that to we can be together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these young people. Lord, and we realize they're not just the church of tomorrow. We want them to be a part of the church right now. Lord, how it does my heart good to see them singing, and clapping their hands and worshiping and doing specials and playing their musical instruments, taking their talents and using them for you, Lord. Oh, how I wish, Lord, I could have had a use for Lord, even though I was a, a young lad getting saved and spent the teenage years of my life in church, I never had a youth meeting to attend. As a matter of fact, the first youth service I ever went to, I preached it. So I never had a youth leader. I never had people that was concerned about the youth that would have special meetings. So I thank you, Lord. Not only for our youth, but for those who are interested in doing this for us. Father, you see the reason that we have these meetings. It's that we might be of a benefit to them. Lord God, I pray that you would help each one of us. I ask you, Lord, that you take what's been said tonight. Lord, may it be an answer to someone's question. May it help them in their journey of life. I pray for them for strength, for courage. Lord, to be able to deal with the things that deal with. I cannot imagine all the things that Satan puts before them. I pray you'd strengthen them, Father. I believe I'm looking at great warriors of the faith. It won't just be these folks that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s that's going to be given a crown and a robe of righteousness. But some of these young people, Father, will walk up there that day and you will look at them and you will say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. All hell is aimed at the Lord. Satan's got drugs. He's got illicit sex. He's got everything in the world imaginable. But Lord God, by your grace, yes, they're going to overcome. Yes, and they're going to be overcomers. Oh, they have failures just like the rest of us do. But failures do not identify who we are. It's our confession of who we are. We love you tonight, thank Father. You, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Let
1: your love shine through me in the night. bright, bright, oh, days shine now on me, let your love shine through me in the night. we
0: The answers oh, Yes, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Always remember we're seeking the will of the Lord. Yes. thank oh, you, Lord. Jesus. God loves us. We want you. Jesus word. Christ loves us. It's not just us
1: loving Him. It's yes. Him loving us. Yes, Lord. And i found so many times in searching out the things of God that that be patient. Be patient with yourselves. Yes, he will be patient Lord. with us and He will give us opportunity to step into what He wants us to yes, yes, do. I'm so thankful for His Spirit tonight. I'm Thank thankful for all, all the things that you brought out. We worship Jesus. You are dismissed in Jesus Christ's name. It's finished with amazing grace. Thank, Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen.